Well, it's great to see all of you guys here this morning. Um, hey, how you guys doing? It's great to be here. I'm going to grab this music. Can I steal this from you, brother? I'm going to steal this one. Oh, we got a different one. All right. Well, as, as Matt said, well, I guess, I guess he's, I, I got to take credit for his spiritual life. So if he goes down, that's on me. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of pressure. Anyway, um, but uh, it's great to be here with you guys. As Matt shared, um, you know, uh, we were here for our son's basketball tournament. And uh, I was with some of your leaders yesterday. And I, I told them, you know, if, if we lose, you know, Saturday afternoon, I'm available to preach. And they said, well, pray for you. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I should have I been a little more cautious with that prayer. Like, I don't know if I want to receive that prayer. Um, but we lost to bigger, stronger kids. But our, our small Asian kids, they did well, and I'm proud of them. So anyway, but it's great being, being, being here with you guys. Last time I was here was for your anniversary service, and so it's great to see uh, many old friends and some new, new faces that I haven't got to meet yet. Hopefully we can meet uh, before the day is over. But um, before, before I get into the message, can we just honor your pastors, Pastor Roland, Vilma, Matt, Jerrica, your, your leadership team? <clears throat> Man, I got to spend some time with them yesterday before they prayed that we would lose, apparently. And uh, just, just so, so blessed by being with all your small group leaders, just the love that they have for, for this church, for you, for this city. It, it really blows me away. So every time, you know, I get a chance, I love to hang out with them and just be encouraged by all that you guys are doing here and who you are. And so it's really great to be back with you guys. Uh, before I get into the message, though, I want to just briefly introduce my family. I, I have a picture of my family. This was taken at our last basketball tournament where we actually made it to the finals anyway. Um, that's my son, Micah, in the middle there, and uh, he's 13. Uh, he, he's the basketball guy. I actually, just, we just dropped him off this, this morning. He's headed to a basketball camp in Los Angeles. And that was the first time I ever sent my baby away. So if I start crying randomly in the middle of the message, I'm still wrestling with that. I don't know how you parents do it. You send your kids to college. You send them I'm like, oh, my God, is my baby getting, getting, leaving us. Anyway, I better stop talking about that. Uh, my daughter there is 11. That's Madison, the tallest one. Uh, she is, she's just the friendliest. Everybody loves Maddie. Like, that's just the way it is. She, she doesn't have a lot of hobbies. She just loves people and just cute things and art and all that kind of deal. She's our sweet one. And then the little one is McKenna. She's the boss of the house. Uh, basically, whatever she says gets done. I haven't figured out how to tell her yet you're not the boss because then she looks at you with those eyes and you're like, all right, you can have whatever you want, I guess. I know that's not good parenting, but, you know, it's really hard. <laughs> and those of you that have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that's my family and, of course, my wife, Naomi. We actually just made 17 years yesterday. Um, we were... <laughs> We're so busy with everything, like, I was like, hey, happy anniversary. She's like, is that today? I remembered. She didn't remember, so that's good husband vibes. Anyway, so we're going to go do something hopefully later on tonight. Um, Amen. So um, let me share one quick proud dad moment. This is a picture from our last basketball tournament. Since we lost, I got to show you this one, okay? Since we got destroyed yesterday. So that's my son, Micah. He's hitting a three-pointer. Now, he hits three-pointers every now and then, but who he hit that three on got me excited, that kid that is following him, by the way, is NFL Hall of Famer Troy Polomalu's son. Yeah, that's right. My Asian boy hit a three on an NFL Hall of Famer's son. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. Some of you feel that with me. Um, I'm probably never going to have an advantage over an NFL Hall of Famer ever again. So I share this story everywhere I go. I just, for no reason, hey, Cassie, you want to see this picture? It's my son. But then, I, but then I, I look back at the video, and I notice something. See that dude in the middle there with the phone taking a video of my son hitting a three? That's Troy Polomalu <laughs> taking a video of my son hitting a three on his son. I just like to imagine in my mind that he went home, and he played that video back for us, and he said, boy, don't ever let 
a little boy like that hit a three on you again. We're Polamalus, you know what I'm saying? I just imagined that happening. He probably didn't do that, but it just makes me feel a little bit better. Anyway, let's get into the message, amen, before I get off on other things that don't need to be said. Um, I know you guys have been in a series on the Holy Spirit. What an important series to talk about. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it is better for me that I leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. Now think about this just for a moment. Imagine you were with Jesus. You saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. You saw him feed the multitudes on the mountain. I mean, you saw all the miracles, open blind eyes, heal leprosy, all this kind of stuff. And then he tells you, it is better for you that I leave you. How can anything be better than having Jesus with you right now? If you need a snack, just give him a cracker. He's going to make a meal out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, what could be better than having Jesus? He said, it is better for me that I leave you so that I can send the Holy Spirit to be with you and to be in you. And I know throughout this series, your, your pastors unpacked what it meant for the Holy Spirit to be in us and with us and, and all of that. And I hope to continue this uh, a little bit here today. But the Holy, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can live the Christ-like life. It's why he gave the Holy Spirit to us, so that we can live like Jesus lived in this broken world. Among all of the flaws, among all of the problems, among all of the pandemics, so we can live like Jesus no matter what's going on. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit to us. If you're in Christ today, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, amen? If you're in Christ today, the Holy Spirit is empowering you. And if you're not yet in Christ, he wants to be with you and live inside of you and empower you because there's a purpose for why we're here. And that's what I wanna talk about here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians or you can just look on screen with me because we're gonna look at a bunch of different verses here this morning. But Ephesians chapter one says this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus and by extension to all of us. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Now let's just pause right there. Isn't that amazing that the God of heaven wants to know you personally? You ever stop to think about that? Like, man, God wants to know me personally. He doesn't just want me to sit in a church service. He doesn't just want me to, you know, do religious deeds or whatever it is. He wants to have a relationship with me. Now, those of us that have had challenging relationships growing up, maybe we weren't really close with our parents or close with our siblings or our friends, may have a hard time feeling like anyone would really want to have a relationship with us. But can I tell you something? The God of heaven, the maker of heaven and earth, wants to have a personal relationship with you. He loves you. He made you with purpose and intention. And that, on that fact alone, if for nothing else, that reality ought to drive our worship for all eternity, amen? That the God of the universe wants to know me personally and he wants us to know him personally. But it continues on. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. There is a purpose for our lives here on this earth to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers in this life on this earth. There is a reason why you're here. So the first point up on screen is God made us on purpose and for a purpose. He made us on purpose and for a purpose. He created us so that we can know him and then he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can live this purpose out on the earth. Every single one of us were made on purpose and for a purpose. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, God made you on purpose. And tell him, and for a purpose. There are no accidents. God does not make mistakes and he does not make accidents with you or with me. Can I hear an amen to that? Look at what the, the, the psalmist says. David said, for you, speaking of God, form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Man, I love that picture. He meticulously put us together while we were in our mother's womb. We didn't just accidentally get put together and come out. 
He put us together meticulously. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. I praise you, David says, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He put us together on purpose and for a purpose. There is no accidents. Jeremiah 1-2, it's not up on screen. He says, before I formed you in the womb, God said, I knew you and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. In other words, before you were even put in your mother's womb, God already had a plan for your life. Can I hear an amen to that? That means there are no accidents. You're here on planet Earth right now for a reason. And if you're still breathing, if you haven't stopped breathing since I started talking, God's not done with your purpose yet. It means you've still got more. There's still more. Oftentimes I talk to young people and they say, you know, I'll get started on this purpose thing when I'm older, you know, when I have kids and, you know, and all that. And, and, and that, that's problematic because you don't just wake up one day, now I'm going to live on purpose for God. Because we bring all of our baggage from the past into that moment. It's never too early to start living on purpose. And the earlier we can get started in our walks with God and get serious with, with, with the, the purpose that he's made for our lives, the better off we're going to be. But also, no matter how old we are, we're not done with our purpose yet. Again, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. And sometimes I hear old people, older people say, well, I've done that already. You know, I, I did the church thing, and I, I served others when I was, when I was younger, and, and I'm done. I'm retired. No, no, no. If you're still alive, God's not done with you yet, because when he's done with you, then you're done. <laughs> but if you're still alive, he's not done with you yet. Amen? So every single person in this room, I am confident God's not done with you yet. But the sad thing is, I worked with a lot of young people over the years. There are a lot of teenagers that have grown up or young people that have grown up being told I wasn't ever supposed to be born. I remember many times after church, different ones would come up to me when we'd do a talk like this and say, you know, my parents told me that, that they never wanted to have me. They told me I was an accident. They told me I never was supposed to be born. But can I tell you something? Even if your parents didn't plan for you, even if you were an accident in their eyes or a mistake in their eyes, God knew and he put you together. You're not an accident to God. He wasn't surprised when you came into planet. Oh my God, what am I going to do with that one? You know what I mean? No, he knew. And he put you together because there's a purpose for your life. Can I hear an amen to that? <clears throat> look at, look at what the, the, the Apostle Paul continues on. For by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2, through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. The that word in the original language is we are his poema. In other words, it's like a work of art. It's where we get the word poem from. We are God's work of art, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, watch this, which God prepared in advance or beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God already knows the good works that he planned and prepared for us to do while left on this earth. And he made us just so and empowered us by the Spirit so that we can do those good works. The challenge for you and me is to discover what is my purpose and what are the good works that you've called me to do? The question is not, is there a purpose and are there good works? The question is, what is it? And that's what this community is here for. That's why we do church, so that we can uh, study the word together, come before the Lord in prayer, and that he can show us together as a family how he wants us to fill, fulfill our purpose on this earth. And one of the ways that we discover that, first of all, is we need to recognize that God has given us unique gifts and abilities to fulfill his purpose. That's the next point. He's given us all unique gifts and abilities to fulfill his purpose. Watch this. The, the Apostle Paul continues in Romans 12. Having different gifts or gifts that differ according to the same grace given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy in proportion with, to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. What, what is the point here? All of our gifts differ. 
we're not going to be the same. He didn't make us the same on purpose, right? We are different kinds of gifts, different kinds of wirings, and, and, and we ought not to then covet someone else's and say, man, I wish I was like that person. I need to look at myself before the Lord and say, how have you made me, and how do you want to use me? Because at the end of the day, when we stand before the Lord, by the way, we're going to be judged and measured by how we use the gifts that he gave us on this earth. He's not going to measure us based off of how much money we had in the bank, how nice our house was, how much investments we had, or, you know, that kind of thing. He's not going to measure us based off of what school our kids went to and, and what they do for a living now. He's going to look at us by, what did, I, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? You can go back later on, read Matthew chapter 25, and there's another parable in Mark where he says the same thing, essentially. When we stand before the Lord, he's going to say, what did you do with the talents that I gave you, with the gifts that I placed in your life? But they're all different. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I tend to compare my gifts with other people's gifts. Anybody else? I mean, we were just at this basketball tournament. We got smoked by like six-foot eighth graders. I mean, come on now. And I'm sitting there going, man, that's not fair, man. My kid's like, you know, five foot nothing. And, you know, and I'm like, man, I wish he was bigger. Man, I wish I was bigger. I wish my wife was bigger. You know what I'm saying? We just, you start going on this thing going, oh, God, how come I'm not taller? How come I don't have that genetic makeup and all this kind of stuff? And we start feeling all down on ourselves. And then we don't use the gifts God gave us because we wish we had someone else's. I wish I was gifted like LeBron James. Well, LeBron James's calling is different from mine. And LeBron James is going to be judged based off of LeBron James's gifts. Billy Lau is going to be judged based off of his. And if I'm basically chasing after someone else's calling, I'm not going to be living out my own. If we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, we're not keeping up with the purpose that God has for our lives. And we got to get off of that, amen? And social media just makes it so much worse, doesn't it? Because we just see everyone else's greatness and giftedness, and we just feel like we're less than. And I think God would say, stop doing that. That's what coveting means, by the way. We want what someone else has. We realize that the gifts that LeBron James has, God gave to him for a purpose, and he's going to stand before the Lord one day to be judged. What did you do with that? It wasn't just about winning championships. There's more to it than that. I'm going to be judged not based off of championships, but how I use what God gave me, and so will you. And so we need to stop comparing with one another. I wish I had that person's house. I wish I had that person's car. I wish I had that person's job. No, no, no. You have what you have because the calling God has for you. Can I hear an amen to that? Now, we could work harder, probably, all of us, you know, and we need to maximize the gifts that God gave us. That's a whole other message. But for now, we need to stop comparing. And we need to come before the Holy Spirit and say, how do you want to use what you've given me to be a blessing to others for the good works, not the selfish works, not to pad my investment portfolio or to pad my bank account or to make myself look better so I can post it on Instagram. Look at all these cruises I'm going on because I'm so rich, right? But to use the gifts that God gave us for the good works. Now, we're going to talk about what that means in just a little bit. But we need to stop comparing. Can I hear an amen to that? God have, gave us all different gifts I, I, when I, I was sharing with your leaders yesterday that I'm an introvert. And by nature, introverts, you know, tend to be less, you know, personable in crowds. And I used to always look up to the extroverts. Any introverts in the house ever looked up to the extroverts? They're the talkative ones. They're the life of the party. They show up and everyone loves them. And they're having so much fun. And we're just kind of there like, oh, like, oh man, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, can we leave now, you know? You know, they're the ones just like, you know, at the thing, having fun. And I'm like, man, it's loud in here, you know? It's like the lights are flashing. I just need to get away. Uh, by the way, Vegas, man, is so overstimulating. Holy smokes. Anyway, I just, anyway, <clears throat> that's a whole other thing. And, and so I had a friend that I grew up with in high school, and we were going to church together. Some of you know him, Pastor Tim Ma. He pastors our downtown congregation. And we were buddies when, when, uh, when in high school and in college. And so I used to go over to his house in the morning, and I would jump in his car, and we would drive to the University of Hawaii together. And, um, but the thing about, you got to know about Tim, he's a massive extrovert. Like, he talks nonstop, like nonstop. And, he, and, and we used to, <laughs> he might listen to this, but he knows this. 
We used to tease him as a close talker. You guys know any close talkers? Like they get right up in your face when they talk to you and they look you in the eye and you're just like, some of you know what I'm talking about. And, and so anyway, and, and so anyway, we get in the car and he would play loud music. It was boy band, late, late 90s, early 2000s, boy band music or, or hip hop or something. And he's talking to me the whole ride to school. I'm just like overstimulating. Oh my God. Just talking, talking. And then we get out of the car, we get to the school and then we, he's talked to like 10 people before we got to the cafeteria to have breakfast. And while we're having breakfast, he's talking the whole time. And then we get to class and by the time we get to class, I'm done. Like I, the day hasn't even started. I have nothing left because of the car ride with Tim. And I used to look at him and be like, man, I don't have the energy like you do. Man, I wish I did. I used to think to myself, what is wrong with me? That I don't have the energy like he has. And I don't have the, the, the people sense that he has or whatever it is. And I just began to realize God made him different. There's different gifts. And where I envied and I looked down on myself, God was saying, no, 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 I made you a certain way for a reason. And then I started learning, you know, some of the science behind introversion and extroversion, just, just real, real, real small thing. It has to do with our, our, the, the fight or flight system in your brain. And, you know, introverts tend to be high, more highly reactive to external stimulus, which is why we, we want to, you know, get, get a little more quiet. But here's one of the things. And if you want to read a good book, you introverts, go read the book. It's called Quiet. Um, I forgot the author's name off the top of my head, but it's called Quiet. Anyway, one of the things she says, though, is because introverts don't, aren't always around people, they're deeper thinkers. They're more strategic, often better leaders. <laughs> Amen. So, <clears throat> but the key is, <laughs> the key is, and this is one of the things that her study shows, is we need a symbiotic relationship between extroverts and introverts. It's not that one is better than the other. It's that we all need one another. My wife is an extrovert, and I love having her around because she talks to everyone, and then she tells me what I need to know and who I need to talk to. You know, it's just, it's just great. It's, just, it's a symbiotic relationship. The best teams, they say, have a great mix of introverts and extroverts because you have the deeper thinkers and you have the people who are willing to talk and make things happen, you know? So anyway, the whole point of this is don't look down on yourself because of the way that God made you. And what we sometimes feel like is a lack of something. And don't envy someone else because of what we perceive as what you wish you had. We need to come before the Lord and say, God, what do you wanna do with the way that you made me? You made us unique on purpose. How do you want to use the way that you made me? Can I hear an amen to that? Now watch this. I know Pastor Matt preached on this verse the other day, or a couple of weeks ago at least. 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are a varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. I love this. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of what? The spirit for what? The common good. What does that mean? It means all of these gifts that we see going around, it's from the same God. It's just a manifestation of the Spirit in different ways. Pastor Tim has a different manifestation of the Spirit than I do, but it's the same Spirit. You have a different manifestation of the Spirit than the person sitting next to you, but it's from the same God. And it's for the same purpose of what? The common good. And what, what should that do for us? It should make, bring us to a place of humility. And mutual dependence, we need one another, amen? God didn't give us all, none of us are the total package on purpose so that we rely on one another and we work together to do what God has called us to do and so that we're humble enough to realize, I need help. We need one another, amen? But the same spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers that. And sometimes we either, we either look down on ourselves or we get full of ourselves. Neither honors the Lord. We need to see ourselves for who we are. I am not like Tim. I am not like LeBron James. And if LeBron James was smart, he'd realize he's not like Billy Lyle. And we would work together. <laughs> anyway. 
I like Steph Curry more, so I should have I should have brought him up. But I don't want to accidentally put him down. Anyway, um, see, some of us though, we know what we're gifted at. Some of you here today, you know that you're good at what you do. You are the best in your industry in what you do. The challenge for you is going to be to figure out how can I use this not just for my good but for the common good. Some of you know, man, I'm good at this, man. I am good at that. I'm good at business. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. How do, the challenge is going to be, how do I use this for the common good? I have a guy in one of my small groups who, who says, man, I know I'm good at making money. I can make money. Whether it's in business and in investments, real estate, different things. He's like, he, he told me this one day, I am good at making money. I know you're probably like, who's this guy? Can I get his phone number? No. Anyway, but he would say that. And he said, but how do I use this for the kingdom of God? And so I said, let's pray about this. Let's pray. And I didn't put this in him. He came to this by himself. He said, I know why one day. God made me good at this so that I can help build churches, fund missionaries, and, and expand the kingdom of God. That's why God gifted me to make money. I said, praise God, brother, because that's, that's, that's probably part of the reason. Now, he gets to enjoy it. He, he drives a nice car. He has a nice house, and he goes on vacations with his family and all that. But he also knows this isn't just for me. It's to make a difference in the, for the kingdom of God. There's another guy in our church who's a really successful businessman. He says, I know how to train up men and women. And I, ho- I know how to build men and women. He's, he's good at mentoring and training. And he's been doing it for years in his business. So he's built a huge uh, mortgage brokerage and all that. And he said, I know what I need to do with that. It's not just build people for my business. It's to build people for the kingdom of God. So he hires them. He disciples them. He's had small groups out of his, out of his office. He's even had, we've even talked about having church services in his, his different offices that he has around the country. And we still might do that eventually. But he knows that I'm good at what I do, not just to make money for myself, but to build the kingdom of God, but to build people. See, that's gonna be the key. For those of you who know what you're good at, how can I use this not just for me, but to be a blessing to others, to, for the common good and the kingdom of God? Some of us, though, here, we don't know what we're good at. We're saying, man, I don't know what I'm gifted at. I remember when I first started coming to church, and I would hear messages like this. I'd be like, nah, nah, not me. You must be talking to someone else, Pastor Norman, because I'm not good at anything. I, I don't have any skills, any gifts that I can think of, and, and you know, I, I'm probably not good at anything. And I remember one day after church, right outside in our lobby, one of, one of the ushers came up to me and he said, hey, can you, you, you want to serve? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm probably not good at anything, you know. And he said, can you do this? There's a local guy from Hawaii. Oh, bro, what, you can do this. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. And so he handed me a stack of bulletins. He put me right by the door. He said, do this, pass out the bulletins. You can do that, right? I was kind of mad at him, but he was bigger than me. So I was just like, okay. And so I did. For, for months, I just stood at the door, passed out bulletins. And then they promoted me to usher. And I started ushering people to their seats, you know. And then, though, if you remember from the 90s, they put me in charge of the overhead projector. You guys remember those things with the transparency sheets and the light bulb and pew? They actually let me take it home. I was 17 years old, Pastor Roland, and they would sent me home with the projector and the bin of sheets. And they said, you got to come back 8 o'clock in the morning and run, run the projector at church Sunday mornings. And I, I, I was thinking, why would you give that to a teenager? Like, that was state-of-the-art equipment back in the day. And I just had a revelation the other day it's so that they made sure I come back to church on Sunday morning. But, you know, it's motivation to come back. Or there's not going to be any worship lyrics. But I did that. And then someone had the bright idea and said, hey, do you want to help lead in the kids' church? I said, sure, whatever. So I started leading kids' church. Then someone said, can you take over coordinating the kids' church? I was like 17 years old, in charge of all the kids. Our church was small back then. We were desperate. If you breathed, like you were, you know, you could do stuff. So I was, I guess, all right. So I was in charge of the kids' church for a little while. And, 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 and just little by little, God kept expanding. And then they put a guitar in my hand, gave me a chord chart and a sheet music. He said, learn this song and play it for the kids. I was like, okay, G, G, G. Like, yeah, that's how I learned. But the, what I realized is I didn't know what I was good at. But you just start small with what you have. God multiplies it, Right? And oftentimes we look at, I don't have the gifts of so-and-so, and then we don't use the little that we have. 
But when we use the little that we have, God can multiply that. Remember the loaves and the fish story? I'm sure that little boy thought, there's no way any good is going to come out of this small basket of food. And God said, put it in my hands and watch what I can do with it. But oftentimes we, we compare and then we don't even do anything with the little that we have. Because we're insecure and we're ashamed that we're going to look dumb. No, no, no. Just take what you have. Put it in the hands of the Lord. Start using. Watch as he multiplies it. Because it's his gifts. And it will emerge in us and through us when we start using what God has given us. What are you good at today? Maybe you know what that is. The question is going to be, how do I use that for the common good? How do I use that for the kingdom of God? For those of you who don't yet know what gifts God's given you, start small. And watch as he multiplies that. Watch as he grows it. And you begin to see how God can use your life to make a difference in the lives of others. What I love also, though, and this is the next point up on screen, is God uses our life experiences, the good and the bad, to prepare us for the good work that he has planned for us. He even uses our life experiences to prepare us. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, God is working, right? We know that, for, sorry, I memorized the NIV. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things will work together for good. That includes the bad things. Even the painful things God will use if we love God. He will use even the hard stuff, the challenging stuff, the painful stuff for God's purpose. And you know what that means? Nothing is wasted in God's kingdom. Even the painful stuff God will redeem. And that's what I love about him. Even when we're going through a hard time, there is a purpose that God is going to bring out of that. Even when you're facing challenges, it's not for nothing. God is going to use that one day if we place it in his hands and say, God, what do you want to do with this? God will even use that. I remember growing up in church, I, I thought there's no way I had a purpose in my life because my parents were divorced. My dad was in jail because he was a drug dealer. And so there's no way God has a big purpose. Maybe he has purpose for these other people because they grew up in a, in a you know, nuclear family. Everything's going good. They, they seem to be super blessed. God must have a purpose for them, not for me. I thought certainly not for me because of all the stuff that I went through. And maybe you're, you're feeling like that right now. There's, there's a bunch of messes in your life. You're saying, yeah, there's no way there's a purpose in this. And that's the way I felt for many, many years. And I remember one day I was, I was talking to a group of middle schoolers and I shared my testimony about my dad was in jail at the time. And I shared about that. And one of the kids gave their life to the Lord. And he said, my dad is, in, is on drugs. And if you can follow Jesus, maybe I can follow Jesus. And he gave his life to the Lord. And I realized something in that moment. Wow, God, you want to redeem everything. Even my pain. Even the hard stuff. If we'll place it in the hands of the Lord, nothing is wasted with God. Can I hear an amen to that? The challenge for us is going to be to figure out what do you want to do with the brokenness in my life? How can you use this to be a blessing to someone else? And now can I be honest with you? I'm kind of glad I went through a lot of the stuff that I went through because I wouldn't have been able to help the people that I was able to help over the last 25 years. If I, had a, if I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth and had no problems, all the people I'm seeing faces right now in my mind of people who said that they came to know Jesus because of my own testimony, they might not have been helped. And I'm almost a little glad. Now, I wish it didn't happen, but okay, God redeems everything. And even the pain that you're facing. We went through a hard time with our son when he was two to three, two, uh, sorry, three to six years old. It was such a painful time. But now it's a testimony that's helped so many people. If you'd asked me in the moment, one day God's going to use this to help people. Aren't you glad? I'd be like, no way. Get out of my face. You know what I'm saying? But now that I look back, I'm like, wow, God, thank you that we went through that. Because there's a greater purpose than even just my own comfort and my own happiness in the moment. Maybe you're going through something tough right now. God will even use that to fulfill his purpose in your life. Can I hear an amen? There's a, 
a show on the, I think it's on the Discovery Plus, it's called Chopped. Anybody watch Chopped? It's a cooking show. So Chopped, you guys watch Chopped? Oh, okay, right on. Um, <clears throat> I guess the, the, the theory of the show is they give you a random basket of ingredients, right? And you're supposed to like make something out of it. You know, and then at the end, they judge you based off of what you made, based off of that random basket of ingredients. Now, you don't know what you're going to get in that basket. You just got to kind of figure it out as you go along. And at the end of the thing, if you don't make something good with what they gave you, they're like, they, they throw you off the stage, they chop you. I know, that's, that's kind of harsh, right? And sometimes we feel like that's how God is. At the end of my life, if I don't make something with this random basket of ingredients, chop, you know? Like, no one's here to help me. I got to figure this out all on my own, and then we get chopped at the end. You know what I love, though? is that someone intentionally put those ingredients in that basket. There was a master chef that knew exactly what you could make with that random basket of ingredients. He knows exactly what's in there. He knows exactly what could be made with that. And if you just combine that, that, and that, you'd have amazing watermelon tacos that would just be so amazing, right? The problem, though, is we don't know what the master chef knows. The good news is our master chef knows exactly what to do with this random basket of ingredients, this random basket of giftedness, this random basket of trials, this random basket of skills or whatever it is. God knows exactly what to do with that. And he's not saying figure it out, otherwise chop at the end. He wants to walk with us every step of the way. He sent us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to guide us to figuring it out. If we go to him in prayer, this is what you can do with that brokenness. This is what you can do with that pain. This is what you can do with that hurt. This is what you can do with that skill set. And together, he wants to work with us. The master chef isn't waiting at the end. He's with us right now to tell us exactly what to do with this random basket of ingredients. The challenge for us is together as a community to help one another to hear his voice and to walk this thing out. It's not a trick. It's not a test at the end. He's with us now. The question is, are we coming before the Lord with this random basket of ingredients and saying, God, help me? to figure out what you want me to do with my life? Or are we just saying, I don't really care about your opinion, I got this on my own, then maybe at the end, chop, okay? Not out of heaven, but there is gonna be, there is, uh, there are rewards in heaven for how we lived our lives here on earth. He wants to walk with us every step of the way. Let's talk to the master chef. Let him guide us and show us how to fulfill his purpose for our lives. And I, I wanna close with this thought. Our individual purpose, each of ours, right? LeBron James, Steph Curry, mine's and yours. Our individual purpose at the end of it all must align with God's ultimate purpose of making a difference in the lives of others. That's why he gave us the gifts that we have. It's why he made us the way that he made us. It's why we're still alive. It's not for ourselves. We saw it before, for the common good, for the good works. And we see here in 1 Peter, as each has received a gift, use it to serve yourself. That's not what it says. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. In other words, the gifts that God has given us don't belong to us. They're his. We steward it. And you know what a steward is? It's like a valet at, when you drop your car off at a fancy restaurant. They get to drive your car for a little while, but it's not their car. And they have to return it to you one day. And if they scratch your car, my car's not very nice. If they scratch it, no one would probably notice. But some of you have nice cars. And if, some, if, the, if the valet brought your car back and there was a big scratch on it, the, the radio is blazing loud or it's missing, you know what I'm saying? That valet is going to be in trouble because he was a steward of your stuff. One day, we're going to have to stand before the Lord and return to him his stuff, the gifts that he's given us. Again, go read Matthew 25 later on. And if we didn't use it the way that God intended, if we use it only for ourselves, if we didn't use it for the common good, as scripture tells us over and over and over again, he's gonna hold us accountable. Now thank God it's not for our salvation, 
We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. But there are rewards. There are eternal rewards that God wants to give to us based off of how we lived on this earth. We are stewards of his grace. Steph Curry and LeBron James are going to have to stand before the Lord. How did you use the gifts that I gave you and the platform that I gave you? They will. No one escapes the judgment of God. But so will you and so will I. How did you use what I gave you? Well, I didn't have the gifts that they had. It doesn't matter. You had some. I gave you some. What did you do with it? And we're going to be accountable to that, to how we served one another with God's gifts. And I want to close with this, Matthew 28. What does Jesus expect from his church, from his people? He made it very clear here in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is Jesus saying here? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm God. And what I say goes. And this, by the way, was his last words before he ascended into heaven. And last words are important, right? You don't just flippantly throw out last words. I'm sure he thought this out. What's most important to Jesus is that we go and make disciples of all nations. Why did he leave? So he could send the spirit. Why did he send the spirit? So that we could live his purpose on this earth. And what is his purpose? To go and make disciples of all nations. What does that mean? Helping people that don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus through the giftings that he gave us. There's a couple in our church, and I'll close with this story. Landon and Don Oka, you can throw up their picture. Um, Nomi and I got to do their wedding uh, during 2020. It was the only COVID wedding, or first COVID wedding that I did. Uh, Landon is a dentist. He's a graduate uh, of the Indiana University, Oregon State, but he's also a high school wrestling coach. Uh, he's one of our small group leaders, makes disciples. Don is a dental hygienist. Um, uh, she's on our worship team. She's a small group leader. Some of you know them. But they're taking over a, a massive dental practice uh, in Honolulu. And um, so they're busy, busy people trying to get this, this practice going. And uh, when Nomi and I were doing our, their premarital, one of the things that they said was, we, we want to do this dental practice so that we can minister to our patients, minister to our clients and, our, and, our, and, and the community through that. They had a dream. They have a dream of opening up a free dental clinic so that they can reach the community through their dental practice. And so Landon already has had multiple opportunities to pray for his patients. He says they're, they're like trapped there for like 90 minutes, so I can basically say whatever I want to them. And he's been able to minister to, to patients, pray for patients. One of his patients uh, renewed his faith in the Lord, got back connected to church, and, and has given his life back to Christ. Dawn is beginning to minister to the other the, 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 the people that she works with. And they, they just have a faith that the reason why God has given us this is so that we can make a difference in the lives of others. And they're committed to using their practice. I just had them share their testimony a couple of weeks, uh, last week actually, using their gifts and their practice to make a difference in their community. And I said, wow, that's exactly what this is all about. They could just be happy. They're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're, they're doing well financially. Now they're gonna continue to do well. They could just be thinking about raising their family and buying a nice house and driving Teslas all around town and all that. But they're saying, no, no, the reason why God's given us this so that we can make a difference in the lives of others. And they're doing it already. My question to us is, what gifts has God given to you? And how can that be now used for the common good? And I want to invite you to stand before the Lord or come before the Lord and say, this random basket of ingredients, God, how do you want to use this to be a blessing to others? And I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you who gave you those gifts will lead every single one of us to figuring that out. This isn't a test that he wants us to fail. This is a test that he fully intends for us to pass. So unlike CHOP, it's kind of more like home ec. You guys remember home ec? Where the teacher walked you every step of the way, right? But there was always one knucklehead that said, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to do it this way. 
I know better. Well, they're the one whose pumpkin pie exploded in the oven. You know what I'm talking about? But the ones that listened to the teacher, followed the instructions, they did fine. God gave us his word. He gave us the church, many people to help us figure this out. He fully intends us to pass this test. He fully intends us not to get chopped in the end, but to get rewarded in the end. Can I hear an amen? But we have to come before the one who gave us the gifts and say, Master Chef, what do you want to do with this random basket of ingredients? My life is yours. This isn't mine. And I know that I'm going to stand before you one day. Help me to use this for your glory. Will you do that? Will you just bow your heads right where you are? And I want to just invite you to open up your hands in in a receiving posture. And I want you just to imagine your life, your skills, your gifts, even your challenges, your insecurities, all of that. Because God will use all of that, remember? I just want you to imagine that all in your hands. And then present that before the Lord. God, my life is yours. All of this is yours. God, take my life. Use it. Show me, God, how you want to use my life for the common good, to make a difference in the lives of others. Holy Spirit, I pray that your voice become clearer even as we talk about this in our, our, our life groups or over lunch. As we ask one another, what has God put in your hands? What giftedness has he given you? God, I pray that your voice would become clear. We begin to see, even just starting small, the things that we can begin to do to be a blessing to other people. And God, I know that you're going to water that seed. You're going to cause that seed to grow. And it's going to bless many, many people, including ourselves. Father, breathe. Holy Spirit, breathe right now. And Lord, that one day we will all stand before you and receive the reward for a faithful life that stewarded your gifts well and made a difference in the lives of other people. We pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.